0: This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now, keeping himself with Martinez five, yeah. he is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in for 15 yards out, tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets, one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land, And a good time was had by all.
1: Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. The first one of 2020 and it is great to be with you. As always, I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director.
2: It's a full show and we we know it's a full show to start 2020 because we just had our pre-show meeting. Yeah, about thirty. Well, as the intro is running.
1: Yeah, the intro the intro gets ready to start. You hear the liner at, at eight uh, fifty eight or 50 fifty nine fifty. All right, let's let's plan this thing. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, we we're obviously going to dig into the men's basketball from yesterday. Uh, the Huskers get a stomped. quick synopsis.
2: Ouch. Yeah, very quick. <laughs> um,
1: much quicker than what actually happened. Unfortunately, uh, Rutgers destroys Nebraska. In PBA, uh, not not a good sight to see. Not what folks were hoping for
2: after a the way start and not the way the, the, way the first the way the first four minutes of that game looked like it was going to go. Yeah, that's right. It did um, change pretty quick. But yeah, that. we'll we'll dive a lot more into that. Also, women's basketball coming up today, taking on ranked Minnesota um, Huskers. Did defeat ranked Minnesota coming to PBA last year, so mm-hmm. that's something to keep in mind um, as well. It's the start of. 2020, we'll give you a couple resolutions, a couple things that, uh, we're, we're promising in the in the new year. Also have some sound from UNL Chancellor Ronnie Green. Um, he joined us on LNK today on Friday, and we're specifically going to hear a little bit talking about that Go Big project. Uh, where they're at a little bit, he did call it the year of the cranes with how much construction is going on across campus, um, but we're going to focus on kind of that athletic part of the Go Big project. Yeah,
1: yeah, a lot to get to. Um, I wanted to start with this. So I... If, if you haven't paid attention to this show, you, you don't know. But if you have, you probably are aware I have kids. I have a lot of kids. A lot of, a lot of my friends tell me that I have, you know, 12 kids or 15 kids. I have four. I had three before last year. I have four. It's not that many, really. It is, but it's not. Anyway, our three-year-old, he is pretty difficult to get to sleep, whether it's a nap or bedtime. Uh, it's not easy to make that happen sometimes. Sometimes he's just done, and he crashes, and that is glorious. But most of the time, it's a struggle. And I bring this up to to illustrate the point that if if I was just to be, all right, I'm not going to worry about getting him asleep in his bed, which he doesn't want. I wanted to get him to sleep in, you know, by any means necessary, the quickest, fastest, easiest way. Let's just take him to my room. Um, our big bed, and he'll sleep faster in there. But if I do that, I'm not setting the expectation. I'm not laying the foundation. I'm not getting him the lesson that he needs in that moment in time. And I'd also like to win. And so if I (laughs) let him win by taking him to our bed instead of making him get to sleep in his own bed, uh, then, then he wins, and that's not acceptable to me. And my wife gets... She she thinks I'm funny for just kind of going there all yeah. that all the time with why are you so obsessed with winning and why are you saying it's a win he's three. Why are you No. Look, I'm gonna win this because it's important to win. Because if I let him win, then he's gonna walk all over me every single time it's nap time or bedtime.
2: It's not about what's happening when he's three, it's looking ahead to when he's thirteen.
1: Yes. Yes. Something like that, um, and 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 so I, I feel for Fred Hoiberg in that sense, because watching that game yesterday, there are things that I think he could do differently that are kind of like a a quicker, easier path. Um, it, there there are things that he could change uh, in terms of the rotation, in terms of um, play calling, in terms of a lot of different things. Uh, probably things that he could change practice-wise as well that would maybe lead to more uh, upfront success, maybe more success in this moment, in this season. Um, but the importance of where he wants things to be 2021, 2022, 2025, wherever, you know, wherever this thing goes, I think he's he's got more of an eye on that. And even if that's harder in the short term, even if that means that you literally have to sit on the tiny chair in your three-year-old's room for like an hour on a Sunday afternoon, and you have other stuff that you also really do need to get done, you're still making something important happen. You're still getting something accomplished that is going to pay dividends further and further down the road. And you have to maintain that uh, uh, that level of conviction in in your teachings, in your lessons, whatever you want to call it. Because if you can't set that foundation, if you let that short-term win, then you're doing it at the expense of the long-term. And gosh dang it, that kid's going to sleep in his own bed. And there's no There's no two ways around it. He's going to sleep in his own bed, whatever it takes.
2: Everything we've seen from this team says there should be a way to get some more of this done. But like you said, Hoiberg wants to do things his way so that that foundation is there mm. once they get down the road. We still have to remember that there's, there's a few guys redshirting sitting out this year that would significantly help oh, yeah. right now.
1: Well, and the Shamil Stevenson thing is kind of indicative of this. this uh, the, the, the example I'm using. He would have been eligible in December or January, one of the two, had they not done anything with the NCAA. They went to the NCAA and they said, hey, we think this guy should be eligible right now, and even if he's not eligible right now, we're willing to sacrifice the back half of the twenty twenty one 2019-2020 season in order to get a full year out of him next year. If we can get the full year out of him this year, great. That's awesome. That'll help. But we think having a, having a half-in, half-out season for him is not going to be positive for his development. Yeah. It's not going to be positive for... The direction of the program overall, and they were willing to essentially sacrifice half of a season with Shamil Stevenson for getting him essentially a full year off with Delano Banton and I can't think of the other kid right now who's the other uh oh Derek Walker yeah kind of see those three guys are all sitting out all three of those guys would contribute on this year's team Banton would probably be starting yeah um and and that is an example of of how Fred is. He's just determined to win his way, um, and it's not to say that he's going to cut his nose off just to spite his face. But there is something to be said for having the conviction of your the the the, the lesson and the teaching that you are doing um, to to believe in it with every fiber of your being and to do it that way. Um, you, you, you can see what happens the other direction too, because I feel like if you want to tie this to football a little bit, when you've had some football regime changes, um, obviously Scott Frost, we've seen that much more recently. He started his system right away. He was able to go get a quarterback to run his system right away. And so that worked out and he was able to take off with it, uh, offensively in, in 27, in 2018, kind of had some some issues this year in 2019 at times but you still saw things you saw flashes of it uh, and he didn't compromise his system he ran his system from the start bill callahan kind of gets a bad rap in that regard because even though he didn't have the quarterback to run his west coast offense he said hey it's going to serve us better long term which is what i thought he was planning on doing So he had Joe Daly run the West Coast offense, even though Joe Daly was an option quarterback. It paid off because Zach Taylor jumped in the next season and was able to have success, was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2006. Uh, Then you saw Bo Pelini not really... He kind of didn't have an offensive structure, but he did change things defensively, and that worked out pretty well. Offensively, he was malleable, and he kind of took what was there, kept Watson for a year, changed OCs a few years later... Uh, the offense didn't really have an identity necessarily. Mike Riley, you thought there was an identity that was going to be there on offense, but he kind of did a hybrid offense with Tommy Armstrong leading the charge for two years and then went to the system after that. And it didn't really work out well because you hadn't been running the same scheme for two years. You'd been running a different scheme to fit the quarterback instead of fitting what you know best. And that didn't really work out in year three for him. Some folks were like, hey, this is good. He's he's taking the personnel. At the time, you're like, hey, this is better than what Bill Callahan did. But then you think about it a little bit further out. If you play the long game, maybe Callahan was right to go to his system right away because if you're going to have long-term success like Scott Frost wants to do, like Fred Hoiberg wants to do, you got to do what you know. Yep. And if you don't impart that wisdom and and get that going right off the bat – that's only going to delay the rebuild process in my mind.
2: And you're exactly right. I, and I know that there, there are some folks that say when you went and got this high profile coach, this big name to come in, you throw all this money at the program, you should see better results right away. And I have to remind folks, this is kind of a thrown together roster with whatever was left because this change wasn't before the signing period. What wasn't before that initial signing date that you had last February were a lot of the bigger names would have been gone already. So this was, hey, what's left? Let's go get the best of what's left. Obviously, Cam Mack looks like he's turning out. And honestly, a number of these guys are, are doing well, and you yeah. still have Ivan uh, Wedraogo come in, and he's 17. But that's your that's your big guy. That is your biggest-bodied guy, and... The Big Ten demands having a big guy to defend down low, and when Nebraska gets smashed inside, not just on rebounds, but points in the paint, mm-hmm. uh, gave, up, gave up 52 points in the paint. Not, in the, great. not great. that that's, that's not a good number. Yeah. Um, gave up 16 offensive rebounds. Did have 15 offensive rebounds, but got no second chance points out of it. So that that says, okay, you're getting some long rebounds, but you're not able to finish anything in the lane, and we know that Nebraska hasn't been able to finish in the lane. Um, on New Year's Eve, did get a, a commit for this next year, Latman, yep. um, Juco forward. He's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, averaging more than eight rebounds a game. So hopefully that's someone that can come in and help out with that rebounding part there. But Played
1: a little bit of TCU before Juco.
2: But, yeah, before he hurt his knee, um, now playing junior college ball. Shooting more than 40% 40 beyond the arc. So that's Mm -hmm. a guy that can kind of stretch the floor there. You know, that's right. Very on brand for Hoiberg. That's in line with exactly what Hoiberg wants to do. But if you think about a couple of the teams Nebraska has played, Indiana's kind of just big all over. Purdue obviously had the 7 3 Matt Harms, who missed a bit of the second half. um, And that really sparked a Nebraska run as, as he got the concussion. And then you look at Rutgers, and they had six foot ten Miles Johnson. Now Miles Johnson shoots nine of thirteen, grabs uh, what 14, re- 14 rebounds. He could have, they could have really gone down the Scarlet Knights every time, just posted him up because he was allowed to catch the ball one on one and just jump hook in the middle of the lane, almost uncontested. Nebraska does not have anyone to defend in the post, yeah. and in the Big Ten, that's going to hurt throughout the year, and the number of just offensive rebounds, straight-line drives guards were giving up, uh, it was all around not not a good game on the defensive side. Then offensively, shot poor, and that's being polite. That That's being very polite. Hey, with, they,
1: they upped the free-throw percentage, at
2: least. Yeah, the free-throw percentage uh, shot 14 of 21. That was fantastic, but... When you shoot just under 26% from three, just under 32% from the field, and you're giving up everything on the other end, that does not – should have actually equated to a more than a 17-point loss, in all honesty. Yeah. So the, the amazing part is it was only 17.
1: Yeah, well, and so, so Nebraska loses by 17, yes, but it's the, – the way the game went, I mean, yeah, they, they were, they were smacked around. Um, like we talked about in the paint, Rutgers just out toughed the the thing that i that i 'm looking for with this basketball team this season is uh that will that will show me that they have turned a corner that they 've maybe caught on to something uh, when their defensive intensity is no longer affected by offensive struggles uh that 's where I think you 'll see them start to figure it out, and it may not be this season. Uh, you kind of saw that against Purdue. I mean, they didn't light up the scoreboard by any means against Purdue, but they played really well defensively. And I just think the the uh, what was it the North Dakota loss? That's the most recent one mm-hmm. uh, before this. Um, and and then that North Dakota game, and then you kind of saw it yesterday too. Nebraska's defense suffered when they were missing shots. Um, and, and you can't have that. You have to be able to maintain the the intensity on the defensive side, no matter what's
2: happening on the other end of the floor. Uh, and the way this team lives off of points in transition, mm-hmm. if you're missing shots and then suffering on defense, well, that suffering on defense isn't going to turn into transition buckets for you. Yeah. Uh, when you can get out on long rebounds, when you can get out on turnovers, this team needs to, if anything, prioritize more of the defense than trying to hit shots on offense.
1: Yeah, and that might be more of a formula for success here this season. That's not to say that Hoyberg's doing anything just to sacrifice no, yeah. whatever, but um, you know, whatever he's whatever he's instilling offensively and defensively system-wise, that's still there, but uh yeah, the the staff just whatever they're doing, they they're trying to I'm sure they I mean Doc Sadler's the defensive coach. I'm sure he's trying everything to get through to him, to to stick with it defensively no matter what's happening with their shots. And and that's that's going to have to be where it is. That's you're, you're going to see the most growth out of this team, in my opinion, in that particular element of the game. If they if they can pull that off a little bit more, um, I think their I think their record will not be as ugly as we kind of fear after watching a game like yesterday.
2: I'm still expecting five six wins in the conference. Yeah, um, somewhere around there, especially when you can play at home. Um, PBA is a great home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the game, we talked about how good Nebraska looked against Indiana and Purdue, how good um, the defense was on rotations and how good the offense was from a flow standpoint. The The ball kind of didn't get stopped. Um, you especially saw a lot of the um, Ivan-Mac pick and rolls. Um, you also saw Thor get in on the pick and pop. Um, which that starts to really stretch a floor when you can rotate in a couple different guys and get them in on those pick-and-rolls, pick-and-pops, with Cam Mack looking all over the floor, which Thor, by the way, last night had a career-high five assists as well. Um, Gosh, he's got a strong left arm thrown across the court. But the biggest difference between that and then what we saw against North Dakota, um, even Texas A&M Corpus Christi didn't look that great in last night, is the fact that for that first weekend of conference basketball, Gervais Green was suspended. Mm-hmm. Last night he comes in and plays. I believe at halftime his plus-minus was minus 21, minus 22, ends the game minus 25. It got as bad as minus 29. Um, that's not the end-all, be-all. We we know that there there's a, a, a bigger formula. You can get into true plus-minus. But while he was on the floor, Nebraska basketball did not play well. And I don't know what that is because we know Green can go light up the scoreboard. If he gets hot, he can go kind of take over the game on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we've seen him do some things well defensively. I don't know what happened that with him gone for those two games, Nebraska looked so good, and now that he's back, they look so different.
1: Yeah, and and the Cam Mack absence for a brief part of that game that that kind of throws you off a little bit too, but. Still, I think the 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 train was on the tracks by that point, and and you kind of saw where it was going if things didn't change. In well, hurry.
2: it was already so when Cam Mack left in the first half, Rutgers ends up outscoring Nebraska eleven to four to close out the half.
1: But they'd already gone on but, that. But 18-1 they they'd run. already
2: been on the eighteen to one run. Uh, Nebraska was up fifteen to ten, and then it was a thirty-one to thirteen close Ooh. to the half Ooh. after being up fifteen to ten early. Eesh. If at any point in the game you lose a 31-13 to 13 run, you're not winning that game. Probably that, not. That, that, that's pretty much the way things are going to look, and that's how it went into the half, and then things kind of just stayed the same in the second half is uh, Rutgers continued to dominate the paint, continued to dominate second-chance points. Nebraska did not take advantage of their opportunities. There was also um, uh, Kavas got an intentional foul mm-hmm. um, getting wrapped up. Um, I believe it was Gervais Green got a technical mm-hmm. um, for there was a, a little bit of pushing and shoving and John on the way going to a timeout. And honestly, I was surprised that that was the end of kind of the, the the scuffling. I expected there to be more as as the game got laid in there just to see a little bit of fight from Nebraska. You, you don't want to see anything dirty. But if you see guys getting a little bit more physical down low, that tells you, hey, they're not happy with the way things are going. Yeah. Um, A Rutgers guy got a technical in the first half as well. It was a weird game all, all the way around with a number of technicals and intentional foul and a number of crowd leaving with like 13 minutes to go in the game. Nebraska, run, run also in the t-shirt
1: cannon comes out. Yeah,
2: also in the first half, Nebraska did not get a field goal for an 8 minute stretch.
1: Yeah, that was in that 18 to
2: 1 run. From, from the 13 o from like 1306 to uh 508 or something like that. Nebraska did not get a field goal. Yeah. And at one point gave up um I in the second half, Rutgers had a free throw that they were going up for on an and one. Missed the free throw. Rutgers gets the offensive rebound, misses the putback, gets the offensive rebound again, and dunks it. And it's like, all right, well, if we're just going to let him have anything, that that's where that's where it is. The energy felt bad. Hoiberg after the game, um, wouldn't really say a whole lot about energy or body language. He and he that's on brand for him as well. He says he's going to go look at the tape to see what he can find. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did not look. It did there wasn't a good body language, there wasn't a good energy from the team. The crowd got into it early, and then the team kind of didn't give the crowd something to be into the game for, and it's got to work both ways. The crowd has to be up from the beginning of the game so the players have something to feed off of, but the players have to give that crowd something to continue staying in the game for
1: yeah and i to be fair, this is you know school's not back in session. it's the first game of the new year, it's on January third. These are the types of games that you'd rather play on the road, and Nebraska had to play two of them um, at home, uh, or they they got to play two of them on the road a couple of years ago when they went 13-5, and and they took advantage of it against Maryland, Um, and Maryland was a lot, I think, better than Nebraska, but Nebraska took advantage of a, a sleepy crowd there, I guess, and so... That, that part of it's tough, but you've got to be able to overcome. Oscar's uh, not able to do it. They fall to 6-8, and 1-2 and two in Big Ten play, uh, and uh, kind of a little loss right now, but they're, uh, they, they still are plenty capable of mm-hmm. jumping up and biting uh, some teams uh, throughout this season. So Next we'll, up course,
2: is Iowa on Tuesday, yep. 8 o'clock tip-off. That game right here, 1,400 KLIN. Hawkeyes coming up, so keep an eye on
1: that. Uh, we've got more to get to here. An, an unofficial addition to Nebraska football and an official subtraction as well. Uh, we'll dig into that, plus Caleb's conversation with Ronnie Green yet to come here on the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
1: KLIN Husker Hour rolling along here on the first Saturday of the new year. Husker football: A little bit of news over the week. Uh, you have uh, a a new commit to the class of 2021. Uh, it's uh, another guy from Sioux Falls, Washington High School. Uh, you may recognize that name of uh, of school. That's where the Farnioks are from, as well as current Philadelphia Eagle Nathan Gary. Uh, those guys came. What from is Sioux that Falls, guy? Washington is that guy still well. playing
2: football? That, that guy doing okay?
1: I think he's still lifting weights, too. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, this guy is uh, a, a top 150 player, roughly. Mm-hmm. He's a linebacker. Uh, Going to play an inside role. Uh, Barrett Rude got him. Uh, and
2: uh, he's uh, Randolph. Randolph Kapai. Kapai is his name. Yep. That was one of those that when you look at it, you go, you know what? I have to look up how to pronounce that name. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, but, yep, a linebacker. And we've really seen... Um, Coach Rude take off with these linebackers, a four-star recruit there. Um, that was a nice way uh, to kind of get through this this New Year's part and get that that addition um, for the 2021 class. Do need to to make make that big note there that that's not for this next year, um, for this upcoming year here with this uh, signing day now like a month away. Um, this is for the 2021 class. Uh, so the the recruiting part never ends. As much as they filled up this 2020 class, immediately had to turn the gears to 2021. Um, currently, I believe, ranked 15th in 24-7 um, nationally with four commitments there. Uh, continuing to do e- extremely well. That's on the additions part, on the subtractions part. and You see this come down. This is always a pro move, and now it's you see everyone do it. Friday afternoons. Friday afternoons. That's the news dump. That's the we don't really want to take questions on stuff. We're just throwing this out there. Uh, Nebraska football made the announcement yesterday afternoon that Maurice Washington was no longer part of the team, dismissed from the team, expected to enter the transfer portal. He does still have um, court hearings, the legal proceedings, coming up in California this next Friday is his next court date. But he's no longer with the Husker football program. We know he was um, suspended, missed a bunch of the season. The saga kind of ends there with Maurice Washington and Husker football.
1: Yeah, he he was troubled, and and was you know Frost was trying to make it work for him, gave him a a chance to to land at a program where he could have some stability. Uh, he moved around a lot as a kid, and um, didn't didn't come from the greatest of situations. But it, you try to you try to get a kid in to uh, a better environment and and see what happens and look he he had the court case and that didn't really have anything to do with what he was doing here Mm -hmm. per se um it did kind of uh it was it was front of mind for a lot of people because i mean that's uh there were felony charges in california um but he was suspended for things that he did while he was here or things that he didn't do while he was here whether it was academics related or meetings related or um whatever but there was uh, every there was every every opportunity given to him from from all indications. And um, look, was he talented? Yeah, is, does a player less talented get as many chances as he looks to have gotten? Um, probably not. But I still think the, the way Frost handled it is 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 maybe the way that you can. Utilize that as a a model for how you'll expect for him to handle these types of situations later on. He 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 was not very upfront about it, but he did get into it a little bit when asked uh, when when it when it was uh, when it was brought up with the the what is it the game suspension mm-hmm. um, and then there, there was a the half game for the opener. Didn't really say why, but said it was his decision. He was very upfront about that. It was not a university mm-hmm. punishment in any way. Um, and, and the fact that there were issues that related to what he was doing with the team, um, I think that sends a message that, you know, Hey, this, this thing that's going on, it, it, did, it wasn't when he was here, um, but he still has to do the right things while he's here. Uh, and that kind of, and he had the marijuana charges in the off season, um, which a few other players did as well. It's, it's a tough deal. Because you want that guy to, to figure it out because he's really talented. And if he does figure it out, he's got a future in the in the pros maybe. Um, but didn't didn't happen, and, and maybe he can land on his feet somewhere else.
2: And Frost a, a number of times referenced Tom Osborne, the way he would handle yeah. players that not only is this about football, about the possibility of playing in the pros, but also how do you try to set up some of these young men for the rest of their life, no matter the situation they've come from, How do you help some of these young men find a better way forward? Say, hey, here's some stability. What are you going to do with it? And obviously uh, Mo didn't didn't take advantage of those opportunities, um, not just from having the extra chances because of of the the legal cases, um, but didn't take advantage of it uh, to where team rules had to be the reason that he was missing games and then, uh, Frost said they were going to meet with uh, meet with Mo and see if they could come to a conclusion for what they were going to do going forward. And that meeting obviously ended up with with his dismissal from the team. Do wish obviously we all wish him the the best going forward. I hope he finds somewhere that he can land on his feet and play extremely well. Um, but also in the off the field stuff, you you want these young men to do well off the field as well. And we know Nebraska is one of the best places for that. We'll hear from, from Ronnie Green coming up in a little bit, but the life skills part that these student-athletes get get help with in all of the different programs that Nebraska has, this should have been one of the best places to get right, and it just didn't work out. No, did not work out, and it's uh tough deal all around, but,
1: uh, yeah, like, like you said, hopefully he can make things work uh, somewhere else. All right, we're going to hit our next break. Uh, We've got Ronnie Green. Caleb had a chance to catch up with him. Uh, We will have part one of that discussion in our next segment. Uh, Dig into that. Uh, Still more to come, including some New Year's resolutions to your favorite Nebraska sports figures. Uh, That is all ahead here on the KLIN Husker Hour, 1400 KLIN.
0: giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
1: We're back. Quick turnaround here as uh, we are uh, discussing the Ronnie Green interview uh, that he had uh, with LNK today earlier this week with Caleb Henry and Kellen Haviken. Um, Caleb, what are we going to hear here in this uh, second part? With Ronnie so
2: Green? following that that first part, I I, I wanted to, I asked him to get more into that life skills part, the centralizing of um, the student athletes building because this isn't just a football project. Have to remind people, um, yes, obviously there's the track facility, and, and he'll get a little bit more into that about everything being in one location for the first time in the history of the school, but about how for all of the student-athletes, from academics to life skills, all the different things, it's centralized, and that is a big help for the student-athletes across the board uh, here at Nebraska.
3: We've had good facilities for that, as you know, over in West Stadium where the training table and academics and life skills currently are located there uh, today. But bringing this into the center of campus, I don't think people realize, or we won't, Really fully realized till it's done, I think. Uh, but bringing it into campus, making the front door the campus of the university to all of those those facilities in one place is a huge deal for our student athletes. If you're a former athlete, you remember <laughs> how you were kind of in the hinterlands on the far side on Stadium Drive to get to the training table, to get to academics, to get to life skills. And as I've been told and I've experienced it, not as much as our student-athletes have, but uh, the wind's the stiffest in the world on the west of uh, Memorial Stadium on Stadium Drive. So just the time that that's going to save for our student-athletes alone is is critically important. And having them all accessible to that one location is going to be wonderful to see. Um, in terms of track, your former, your former sport – Having the track facilities all located in one contiguous area also will be the first time in our history where indoor track, outdoor track, field events all will be together uh, in the Devaney complex now uh, as we build it out there north of Devaney. Uh, so that that complex finishing out to where we, we have all of that in one place, cross-country is going to get a new training track on the, the north side okay. of Innovation Campus as part of this as well. It's uh, just exciting to see what it will bring for our athletics, and and as I mentioned earlier, Engelandet, yeah, you know, when we announced this in late September, we talked about the fact that it's part of a five hundred and twenty-five million dollar building effort across the university campus. So, um, one hundred and sixty million in engineering that we're investing in new facilities there. Forty-six million in a new home for the College of Education and Human Sciences that starts construction uh, this this winter. Um, new developments on East Campus, new developments on Innovation Campus. It's it's really an exciting time. What I'm ca- kind of calling the time of the cranes, like it was when we built PBA and built a lot of things around downtown a few years ago
2: always good to hear from the chancellor but especially in the the centralizing it part that that part that is something that i really like knowing that just from from having been a student athlete in college uh, at a different school southern illinois edwardsville when you have to go building to building to building to get to all of your different things it's nice that those things are provided but when it's a centralized location it's good not just for um for freshmen But for transfers that come in, it's really good for recruits to see everything in one place. Um, And then, obviously, my biggest takeaway from all of that, and I'm viewing it through um, kind of a really narrow lens as a former track athlete, where they're going to build the new track facilities being closer to Devaney, putting it all in one location. He says north of Devaney. I don't have a very specific place, but I do know from looking at all of that area there, and they're going to be building a brand new facility, obviously, uh, and I asked the chancellor if, what the what the seating's going to be like. He said there's going to be a lot more seating than what they currently have. Mm-hmm. That tells me, and this is one of the initial thoughts I had right off the bat when they announced this Go Big project, was that the city of Lincoln is going to be able to bid on Nebraska High School State Track Championships, which have been at Burke for as far back as I can remember. Um, I competed there. I coached there, actually, the last three years uh, while a throws coach at Kearney Catholic in central Nebraska. Um, my my dad's a track coach. He's coached there. Actually, my grandfather coached there mm-hmm. um, 50 years ago or something like that when and won a Class B girls title at Beatrice. It's been at Burke forever. Burke has not done the upgrades. Yeah. And if the city of Lincoln could get that bid, not only is that, I think, better for the coaches and the athletes and the overall um, fan experience going to those championships, it's great for the city of Lincoln mm-hmm. to get more championships like that. So that's another thing that this Go Big project is kind of the uh, the ancillary parts of it. Oh, yeah, there's updated facilities for, for the athletes, and there's updated facilities for the university. The city of Lincoln can take another state championship event especially as big as state track which is i believe the third or fourth largest attended state track in the country yes that includes florida and texas and california and all of these big states nebraska's is attended because it's all on one weekend it's boys and girls all four classes and you can take all of that put it in the city of lincoln those hotels are going to fill up restaurants are going to get a bunch of business that's great for the entire city uh, that pays the bills. Getting events like that, we see it with football. We see it with basketball.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, Burke doesn't really have a lot that they could do in terms of growth. I mean, they're kind of boxed in in that uh, in that area there, um, in in kind of central west west center of mm-hmm. Omaha. Uh, Not
2: almost, a lot they can yeah. do to to renovate. It, it's it's been um, issues, just kind of the way it's been run the last couple of years. But there's also been some bad weather. Yeah. Uh, but from a technology standpoint. The reception is terrible there. Internet connection is awful. Um, a lot of things need updated, and one of the things you can't really update is the amount of parking mm-hmm. in the area. Um, I know for those that have been to kind of just Lot 58, just to the immediate north of Bob Devaney Sports Center, that alone has just about more parking than what Burke ends up having. Yeah. Um, and then you've got all of the other parking across uh, across kind of Innovation Campus there, everything else across the old fairgrounds. There's a lot more space to do things here for the city of Lincoln. Um, also, I'm always happy when there's going to be updated track facilities it's going to look nice
1: that's track and field correspondent (laughs) uh,
2: here on your saturday morning yeah
1: that's it's an exciting project and i mean yeah the football thing is what gets the headlines but um yeah there's a lot to it and and the fact that and and ronnie green talked about this as well the fact that you're going to have the student athletes from every sport um to be at to be able to get into that facility have it all there um, for everybody with academic support, with other things that are kind of currently kind of sparsed, uh, uh, sparsely placed around campus, that that's a that's a benefit too because everybody's going to be in the same place. Um, you can have recruiting weekends kind of uh, merge a little bit more even than they do now um, when when you're taking kids through and and crossing paths. So you have a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more of a centralized feel for for prospective student athletes that you're trying to win away from other programs, uh, so that you can have successful programs down the road.
2: It's just it's one of those nice things that, and and I said it before, but it cannot be mentioned enough. This is, starts out with the headlines of the Go Big Project. Look at all these nice new football facilities, mm-hmm. and then you say, "Well, okay, this is really nice for all the student athletes." Well, think about the number of, we'll say regular students, the the students that are there obviously not athletes, Mm -hmm. um, and the things that they get to be involved with, whether they are a team trainer, um, whether they are a team student manager, all the different things that now they're involved with with updated facilities, um, and then the different staff that now get to move into those new buildings from life skills to um, academic help um, to career success, that all get those updated facilities as well. And then you add on to the part of the prospective student-athletes that get to come in and look at that. So now it's helping student-athletes, non-athletes but are still students. It's helping out faculty. It's helping out prospective student-athletes and the recruiting part of it. Then you get into the part about possibly taking a state championship. That's now helping Lincoln economically on top of it. There's so much more going into this than just the football part of it even though that football part of it's pretty cool, with, with with the with the expanded facilities they're going to have there, that part is is really good. And I don't, I like, we're not trying to downplay that part, but that part's been kind of talked about ad nauseum. The rest of this that's going on around it, as part of it, is really going to round out. Much of what's going on at the University of Nebraska from from an athlete perspective, but also from recruiting and the faculty and the possible financial implications for the city of Lincoln.
1: Yeah, it all ties together. Um, absolutely does. Um, one more quick thing here before we get to our, our last break. Um, Husker men obviously just played yesterday. They have Iowa coming up. Women just beat Iowa yeah um, a short time ago, and they 've got a big one coming up tomorrow caleb
2: uh today actually or today sorry yeah. today yep today yep. at five over on b one oh seven three taking on number twenty four Minnesota um, Nebraska did win this game last year, Minnesota came in ranked um twenty three or twenty five something like that, but they came in ranked nebraska unranked beat them um at pBA so looking to kind of have that same thing set up Nebraska women coming off their first conference loss at overtime at Michigan State. On uh, New Year's Eve, I don't. it was kind of a phantom foul call for the yes. Spartans to go get a couple free throws right at the end of regulation, and then Michigan State ran away with it in overtime. Nebraska got um, out-rebounded by 17 or 18-something like that over the course of the game, um, only made two threes. When you combine those two things, it doesn't matter if it's the men's or women's team, you should be out of the game, and it still took overtime for Nebraska to lose. This is still a very, very good team. Um, taking on this 11-2 and two Golden Gopher team, I think Nebraska has such a size advantage. I'm really looking for... We know that Hannah Widish is going to hit some outside shots. Um, we know Verbeek is going to hit some outside shots. Actually, pretty much all of them are going to hit some outside shots. They absolutely have to to be in these games. Mm-hmm. But you have to get the ball to Verbeek. You also have to get the ball to Kate Kane. Those inside shots, because of the size advantage that Nebraska has in this game... Have to play a little bit more inside out, Um, and I especially look for Nicaea Aliley uh, to drive hard to the basket. Um, Get a little bit more of Izzy Bourne with some inside shots as well, because she's 6'2", 6'3". I think Nebraska has to play to their size. They've done that a lot this year, but I think sometimes they've settled for a lot of threes. I look for Nebraska to play a little bit more inside out at PBA. Let's pack the place up. Let's get the place looking nice, fill it up a little bit more. It's a little late Saturday afternoon, early January. Ranked opponent coming in. I think Nebraska takes this one. And, hey, you won't miss the Chiefs game because they got the bye. What? The Chiefs have a bye? Yeah. You mean they're a top two seed? Yeah, that's
1: right. (laughs) Thanks, Dolphins. Appreciate that. Yeah, way to go, Miami. (laughs)
2: That
1: was an amazing few minutes for their – LOL, New England. uh, On Sunday uh, last week. All right. Uh, Last break here. We are going to come back. Last week, we said goodbye to 2019. This week, we're saying hello to 2020. What are some New Year's resolutions that some of the folks in Nebraska uh, can get uh, that would help them out this year? We're going to get to that and finish the thing up here when we come back here on the KLIN Husker
0: Hour, 1400 KLIN. till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
1: Our thanks to Ronnie Green, who was uh, able to speak with Caleb Henry and Kellen Haviken. earlier this week on LNK Today. You, uh, you heard some of that. Uh, if you missed any of it, you can always hit our, our podcast page at KLIN.com um, for either show. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, Caleb and I have our, our witty banter back and forth all hour long. Um, and uh, you can follow us on social media at KLINHuskers. Huskers. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's dig into this a little bit. Um, you have 2020. We are there. New New Year, and I I've, I always like to do this with some of the uh, some of the folks around Nebraska. New Year's resolutions. We always talk about what we're going to do, um, how we're going to improve our lives.
2: New Year, new me.
1: Right? <sighs> why don't Why don't anybody say New Year, same me?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm I'm great. I'm living that. More
1: of me is just.
2: Why do you want a new me, jerks?
1: Yeah, what's what are you (laughs) you calling me fat?
2: Something's wrong with me, wrong. Yeah.
1: So (laughs) let's. uh, I I've I've got some New Year's resolutions for some folks around Nebraska. Let's start with the main attraction, Scott Frost. He's had two years in this program now. Um, I think one of his New Year's resolutions, not necessarily, will be we'll see. Um, but I think one for him should be to go ahead and take 100% ownership of the team culture going forward. We've we've heard not-so-subtle digs at what was going on before he got here, um, not-so-subtle digs at some of the players who were left from the previous regime as well. I think it's probably time to go ahead and stop doing that because he's got two full seasons now in his rearview mirror, and I think from this point on, it's it's on it's on him. So. He's
2: he's far enough in now yep. that he has to. There there's there you you get to a point where you could no longer put some of the blame on the previous regime. You could no longer put some of the blame on what we'll just call leftover players, players that stuck around. Um, not not to say that they were bad or anything, but it was the players that you didn't bring in to fit your system. They're the they're just the best guys that you have talent wise and have to play some of them. Um, obviously, Lamar Jackson was still pretty good. Yeah, but that would fall into the category of those are some leftover players. Um, and now he he really does have to because it's on him and it's on his staff. These are his guys now. Uh, you've been here long enough that there's no other way to go about it. Yeah,
1: I, I agree, and that's that's where I want Frost to to be um, with his mindset for. His new year, new year, new me for frost.
2: I would like to not just frost, but we're going to in 2020 new year's resolution for Nebraska football play calling to limit the number of swing passes into the flat. I don't care if this is on first and 10 third and two on the goal line, the lateral pass, which goal line doesn't matter, (laughs) does not matter, because we saw it on both goal lines. I know. Um, That, and I know in, like, kind of the the media area, it became a running joke of, well, here's a lateral pass. Like, we just knew it was all going to happen, but anyone who's been on social media or talked to people, that was one of the giant frustrating parts for Husker fans this year Mm -hmm. was the number of throws out into the flat. I know it's receiver blocking. It can look good. It can be a good play, but it just wasn't this year, and Nebraska fans now have, it's almost uh, PTSD anytime you see the quarterback start to throw laterally.
1: Yeah, don't, don't mind going down the field. I mean, just don't, don't be afraid of it. You might get something out of it, a little bit more success. Uh, all right, let's switch over to, uh, I want to go to basketball real quick. Fred Hoiberg. Uh, his, so he's we've, we've talked a little bit about Hoiberg's program on the show today. Tough loss yesterday to Rutgers by 17 at home. Uh, I want Fred Hoiberg to look on the bright side this year. Um, find some silver linings in a tough year. There's no there's no moral victories certainly, um, and he's going to be competitive in a few games, maybe even win a few that he shouldn't hear um, in 2019-2020, but... You find some silver linings in a tough season, probably not going to end with post-season play. You're going to have a losing record almost certainly. Um, but if you can get a little bit of that to bridge the gap to 2020, 2021 where you get Delano Banton and Shamil Stevenson and Derek Walker, you get almost everybody on this roster back, save for those couple grad transfers, and maybe a couple other guys that transfer out. Um, I think you could take that and run with it. I think that would be a nice little 2020 resolution for Fred Hoiberg.
2: So really quick on Hoiberg, we actually asked him if he ever thinks about what this team will look like next year, and he goes, no, I'm I'm worried about the things we're doing this year. You know, um, We look in practice, and Shamil does this, Delano does that, Derek does this, and uh, I I really think these guys are going to fit in with this and this and this. And then after a couple minutes, he just turns and smiles and goes – uh, but I don't think about it. I don't think about it what it's, it's going to be, and I'm just like, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely already looking for it. <laughs> and he kind of gave that away. He was like, guys, I'm definitely thinking about this yeah. all of the time. I, I, I like that one, kind of looking at what are the positives that you can take going into next year um, for the Nebraska basketball team is a New Year's resolution: free throws. I just want to make some free throws, man. (laughs) And I know they shot better, 14 of 21, to start out the new year. I like more of that. Thank you for hitting that before I even got to talk about it. But free throws, guys. the
1: free throw thing like the equivalent of going to the gym for all Americans? Like, I'm going to go to the gym this year. I'm going to hit my free throws this year. Let's hope that they stick to it and and actually improve that. Um, Let's jump back to football real quick. Eric Chenander, defensive coordinator. Um, His New Year's resolution, I want him to have... A light bulb pop on above a a pass rusher yes that's that's one one way to be hugely impactful that defense give him a pass rusher that can get it done consistently this year
2: I want Hoiberg to get a big that can defend in the middle and one quick one for fans especially on social media stop calling someone else's game against you just because they got up for it their Super Bowl and also recognize that you don't have Big 12 and Big 8 rivals anymore I was a rival Yeah. 2020. It's not
1: even a discussion.
2: Oh, and here's one for everybody on social media. Don't tweet at players or recruits. Never tweet at players or recruits. You can hit that retweet. Hit that retweet all day. Quote tweet if you have to and hashtag Huskers. Yeah. Because it's always Go Big Red season, but don't tweet at the kids, man. That's right. All right. First show of 2020 in the books. Go Big Red.